Go ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting clown! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule! It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. It's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. We are back at it again, ladies and gentlemen. After an extended hiatus, as life happens, we return to you, beautiful, sunny San Diego, this fine Saturday afternoon. Matt Walters, how goes it? Goes really well. It is beautiful. It is sunny. It happens a lot. I love it. We are blessed. <laughs> it's good to be here, man. It's good to be here. I know we've uh, you know, hit some snags this year. We thought we'd be podcasting more, but you got a house. I got a house. Houses happen, got to make moves, and we got to make them nice. So, uh, you know, we've had to miss out on some current events and not be able to discuss everything we wanted to discuss, but we're here with you today. Hey, I'll wrap it up for all of you guys. Trump said something stupid. People got pissed off. There's still war in the Middle East, and the Zika virus was overblown. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, we're not doing any more Trump podcasts unless he wins. If he wins, we'll do one last podcast just to like memorialize the United States before we descend into pure madness. No more podcasts on that ever again, Matt. I don't, no. I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't, I don't need to bring up that guy anymore. Exactly. You know, it's like uh, you refer to Baltimore. It's like, you know, the one with no name. You don't want to like refer to him by name. We'll just refer to him as the hairpiece or something like that. Yeah. Like you shouldn't even say his name. Exactly. He doesn't deserve the, the coverage. So what we're going to talk about today is a little bit of everything, you know, sometimes it's a feel-good story, pretty rare, sometimes it's a feel-bad story, uh, pretty, pretty often. Pretty, pretty often. <laughs> today what we're going to talk about is a little bit of everything in regards to the Olympic Games. You know, 2016, it's been in Rio, been going on for a few weeks now, things are wrapping up, there's been, you know, tons of coverage, tons of stories that have come out, so what we thought we'd do is we'd do a little uh, revisiting, look at the good the bad and the ugly. I have to preface this whole show by saying, overall, I love the Olympics, dude. Yeah, I, you're, you're I really a big do. fan? I am. I am a big fan. I, I'm a big fan. I think it's it strikes close to home. You know, I've had some friends that have won medals in the Olympics, and I've seen how hard they've had to work. So I've seen it from an athlete's perspective as to what the games means to them. And actually, the guys that I know switch sports from what they started with after they reached the height of that sport and changed sports, a sister sport, um, roller inline speed skating to ice speed skating, um, just to get that Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm not a huge Olympics guy, but I always appreciate certain aspects of it. Like the opening ceremonies, just like every four years or two years, I guess, winter or, or summer, you get like the most badass Cirque du Soleil hour-long performance of your life like you know 20 to 40 million just spent on this one time like hundred thousand person spectacle it's always very interesting inspiring artistic I always enjoy that you know everybody who's an athlete getting to enter the stadium uh, certain particular events I'm a big track and field guy or wrestling martial arts I really appreciate watching those uh, elite athletes compete I think it's easy to like jump into that. You don't have to know the sport to understand running or jumping or something right. like that. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, I might be able to throw one of those sticks as far as those guys, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, with every Olympics, you get all these great things. You also get the bad things. You know, it's like the white elephants, you know, the Olympic committee taking bribes. Usually, like, they're 
exploiting the local population to create real estate opportunities for investors. You can go on and on, but there's all this typical stuff that plays out. But uh, I just kind of wanted to hop around, talk about some of the stories that resonated with each of us. So why don't we start with the good, Matt? You know, we'll start on a high note to kick things off. So what I wanted to start with was the athletes, because for me, that's always the highlight of the games is, you know, the athletes that you can connect with, their performances that inspire you, that make you appreciate the competition and the athletic endeavor. So we got some pretty cool ones this year that I found really uh, moving. Uh, on a funnier one to start with, uh, just for with the interrelated side story, is Michael Phelps has been tearing it up, as we all know, you know, like greatest uh, U.S. Olympian of all time, 23 Unreal. medals. You know, this guy was born in a pool, it seems like. Uh, you know, he's gills. It's 23 amazing. gold, 28 total. But Badass. Well, you might have seen, Matt, and this is what went viral. There was this meme going around, which was the Michael Phelps face. I guess he's got this rival, Chad LaClose, from South Africa, I believe. Yep. And they've had this rivalry. It's been going on since the last Olympics, you know, like he's the main rival. And before the semifinal, I think, of the 200-meter butterfly, and they have you, like, sitting near each other in this, like, waiting zone. And Chad LaClose is, like, shadow boxing the air, like, yeah. two, like two feet in front of uh, Phelps. Yeah. And Phelps is just sitting there, like, thousand-yard stare, like, He's getting ready. With the most evil scowling face. Like he's basically like Christian Bale in American Psycho before he goes to like carve up a hooker. Yep. And he's just like staring through Chadley Close and this guy's like shadow boxing. He's dancing. He's wiggling his butt, smiling, trying to look at Phelps and Phelps is just not having any of it. Not having any of it. Not having any of it. And then when they got in the pool, Phelps laid the smack down on LeClose who didn't even meddle. Exactly. And I, I love that psychology of sport where like – some guys need to be super relaxed. It's true. You know, like, it's good to be relaxed. Phelps is a different beast. He's, like, straight, like, cyborg killing machine. Like, all I know is win. I'm programmed to win. It is funny, though, like you said that, because Bolt, right, who I'm sure we'll get to as part of the feel-good moments and just the impressive nature of some of this athletic uh, prowess uh, that's uh, on display here in the Olympics, is he's the opposite. He is dancing and light and loose and I think it puts to the importance it talks about the importance of knowing yourself and knowing how to get the best out of yourself because if somebody like Bolt would try to be like Michael Phelps like oh this is the way we're supposed to be to prepare it probably wouldn't work for him you got to do what's right for you yeah. and you can tell Bolt's got a very like jovial playful lighthearted, tries to keep it fun exactly right? and that's how he Phelps keeps his business exactly like that's how he deals with the pressure mm -hmm. and Let's move on to Bolt because, uh, I mean, Bolt himself. Kudos, Michael Phelps, by the yeah, way. Yeah, cheers, cheers to Michael Phelps, greatest uh, U.S. Olympian of all times. Just amazing, amazing what this man can do. Usain Bolt, let's move on to him because he just completed the triple-triple, as it's known. He's carved his name in the Olympic record books for the third straight Olympics, took you know the triple crown, the 100, the 200, and the relay. Yeah, 100-meter relay. Line, yeah. Like, this guy can't lose in 100 or 200 meters. He no, can't lose. No. He's the fastest man. And he proved it last night in the 4x1 when he won going away. I mean, it's not like he's he these guys are catching him, you know, and he's just getting off faster or anything like that. He just wins going away. Like, they're not even closing the gap, you know, at the line. It's just it, – it was incredible. He's amazing. Um, think about that. In, in, a, in, in a sport – that is usually decided by the thousandth and the hundredth of a second, right? Guys leaning, lunging for the line, beating another guy. 
This guy is strides ahead of the pack. I mean, not even close. And to to win in a sport that's like that, to win in a sport that's like that, that many times is just unprecedented. When when it when it's supposed to be the thinnest of margin, and to win nine gold medals in Olympic sprinting is just it, it's unfathomable. I, I just don't think that we'll ever see anything like that again in our lifetime. So yeah, with that victory, they both tied uh, American sprinter and long jumper Carl Lewis and Finnish distance runner Pavo Nurmi. They're the only track and field athletes to win nine goals. So the only Olympian to win more is U.S. swimmer Michael Phelps, who is 23. So yeah. literally a little far ahead of the competition. He's like the Yankees. But in all fairness to all those other guys, you know, uh, swimming does have a lot of opportunities. To yeah, it's, it's a different sport in its you know own chasm. But uh, yeah, both I love just watching like the the droids. Brody takes like the selfies afterwards with the fans, and everyone's just like so amped to be part of this like cool moment where he's soaked in sweat and soaking in the adulins. Uh, I really I really wonder and if do you think that Bolt's success has has been a catalyst for all the island nations and like Caribbean and specific particularly um, to do better in the in the Olympics to have better programs to have or have these kids pop out and say I want to be an Olympian because he came from a small island and I can do it so like Trinidad and Tobago I feel like I'm seeing a lot more uh, in the uh, in the finals of the Olympics uh, the Bahamas four by one hundred relay team is really good uh, and and so I, I I don't know I just I, I wonder if if he really has been this 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 spark of uh, of athletic endeavor uh, in those in those island nations. Yeah, it's tough to gauge what the uh, the specter of his influence is. I wouldn't claim to know, but uh, but it's something to think about, right? I mean, like it, it, it was something to watch out for in the future. See if you start to see more of these uh, these island nations start to pop up. Exactly, and I mean, this will be the last Olympics we'll see Usain Bolt. So in four years, I guess we'll see who the next uh, next star sprinters are. If there's somebody to take his place, I doubt we're going to see this type of dominance. For, yeah. for a minute, though, that's for sure. What's funny, though, is, and for all the people out there, you know, he, uh, and they, they mentioned this on NBC, his first Olympics, um, he didn't make it out of his heat. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> that's something to think about. <laughs> uh, the last couple uh, interesting uh, athletes to highlight, uh, Helen Morales, she was the first gold medal winner in women's wrestling ever. Uh she beat uh, the reigning world champion, former Olympic gold medalist, Japan's Sori Yoshida. So she was the first for the United States. She's the first woman who's ever won gold in women's wrestling. For the United States? Yes. Okay. Women's wrestling in the U.S. has never won a gold medal. Damn. Ever. So it's the first time ever. Nice. So it's Congratulations. Pretty, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it's like crazy. They were talking about doing away with, like, wrestling at one point. That's like the original Olympic sport. Remember they were yeah, talking what? about that a few years ago? Super weird. Can't but, take so, out your foundational sports like that. But yeah, so that was big for her. And another uh, kind of uh, milestone was the winning of uh, Simone Manuel, who won four medals, two golds and two silvers, in swimming. She's the first uh, U.S. African-American to win uh, swimming in gold. So that was breaking a lot of barriers, nice. displaying a lot of stereotypes. Yeah. You know, like who's capable of swimming, stupid things like that. Right. So uh, that was the other cool athlete story. And then one where it's not like a U.S. athlete or a, an iconic athlete that I wanted to highlight was the refugee 
Olympic team. Oh yeah, which awesome. is a really cool story. Where basically the IOC in 2015, they became concerned that you know, pretty much 20 million refugees they don't have countries to represent. So the idea was to send refugee athletes to the Olympic Games, create their own team, the refugee team. So I think there was 40 of them this year. And they entered last. They got probably the biggest cheer, standing ovation from the stadium. And it was really cool. It's really cool. It's one of the best things I've seen uh, the IOC do, you know, in terms of, like, humanitarian stuff, was to try to, like, help out these really war-torn regions, give them some semblance of hope, something to strive for. It was really cool to me. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Connor, Connor Fields, too, BMX, first gold medal, United States ever gold medal in BMX. And what's crazy about that is we invented that sport. And we finally won. So straight up, good job, Connor. Yeah, you, you know my thoughts on on sports like motorcycle high jump and BMX in the Olympics. Like they're great sports, but I don't know if they're Olympic sports. Yeah, but I'll tell you. Like I was watching those guys yesterday. I watched all the entire round um, on the uh, on the app there, and uh, it, dude, they those guys are hauling ass. I mean, it, the 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 cardio involved in pedaling those little bikes. I mean, damn. I mean, Matt, like. Uh, I don't want to question their athleticism because it's awesome or the skill because it's awesome. It's just a question of like what should be an Olympic sport. Once something is a sport, I guess it qualifies as an Olympic sport. Well, there's competitive gaming now. Are we going to have Counter-Strike in the Olympics wow. next year? It takes a lot of endurance and time and reaction time and hand-eye coordination and this and that. Where do we draw the line? I think that's another interesting debate for another time. I'm a traditionalist. I'm all about like, like I said, track and field, martial arts. I really think like the later team sports and like sports that have been invented in the last 20 30 years leave them for their own international competition yeah i'm all for personally. a big i'm all for a big gexit golf, yeah. golf exit yeah now, yeah now yeah. that i'm just getting into the uh, the societal norm wordplay here you know we need, started, we need acronyms it started with brangelina and now it's fucking no is that what it started with <laughs> no i don't know man maybe benefer or something ben, i think benefer was the first one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> jesus oh my god we live in a nightmare we do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the athletes were spectacular. Uh, now let's move on to a little bit of the bad because, you know, the thing we started talking about, one of the good things was, you know, they had this great opening ceremony. It was very artistic. You know, you've got Giselle walking across the longest runway for the last catwalk. They've got, like, the director of uh, the famous favela movie, City of God, directing this crazy, you know, improvisational built metropolis from the jungle where you've got parkour dancers and all the spectacle but well, we're watching it an hour late on tape delay yeah so, so the story was that nbc NB no no nbc has an exclusive distribution deal with the olympics because of bribes uh <laughs> to basically you know give the sole coverage of the olympics in the united states to this network and they decided that we can't watch the coverage of live. We need a one-hour tape delay so that they could culturally contextualize it for us because we wouldn't understand what's happening if we didn't have, you know, Bob Costas. Oh, you know, these uh, dancers here signify the plight of the slaves to move forward in Brazilian society. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, the sign of the slums rising into the modern favelas. We, Bob, shut up. Yeah, just let me watch it. Like, I, you know, I'll understand what I'm seeing because my eyes perceive things. And, that and, told, and and I and I can interpret. And my brain tries to interpret the meaning behind those things. If you just tell me, then why am I watching? Like it, it's like a radio broadcast for TV. It's like a baseball announcer. You don't need the baseball. And it's a strike. Yes, we saw the the umpire give the strike sign. 
that we understood what happened there. I never understood these commentators. Have you? I I will tell you that I we you and I we watched a lot of football, soccer, Americans, um, and I enjoy watching games with the European commentators because they don't try to fill up space with nonsense. Yeah, you say something when there's a reason to say it, not yeah. just because you can't have dead airtime. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just let it play. Let me watch the game. Let me enjoy the sport that I'm watching, right? And just and, and you can and when that happens, you're not thinking about what they're saying. You're actually sinking into the experience a little bit more, right? Yeah. And it's just like what you said about Bob Costas talking about this interpretation of of this of the opening ceremonies. Like, just let me watch this spectacle. It's magnificent, right? Just leave it alone and let me saturate in it a little bit. It's like this uh, controlled spectacle where the spectacle isn't enough. They need to control the narrative and it cheapens it. So like, uh, I remember during the, uh, the athlete walk-in before the ceremony, every single team, John Oliver highlighted this on uh, last week, tonight, last week, every single time a team would walk in, the answer would be like, Sudan, they've had a tough year. It's super war-torn. Oh, France, it's been a somber year with the terrorist attacks. Basically, every country that walked in, they're like, here's some shitty thing that happened to them this year. Right, which makes this all the all the greater. It's like, like they need to like hey, amplify every, something that's already at the pinnacle of every this. Every group of athletes that are walking in, it's like, to them, this is like all they've worked for and strove for. They're all smiling, adulation, tears streaming down their faces. They're so happy to be there. American announcers. Yes, the civil war this year. Oh, yeah, there was that terrorist attack. Oh, some economic problems. It's like, shut up. Right. Shut up right. and let the athletes have their moment. It's not about the country's problems. It's about these athletes being able to reach this pinnacle. This is the shining moment of that year. And you don't have to highlight the negative to make the positive look better. It, you don't have to do that in order to cultivate this emotional response. People are already emotionally connected because they're like, Wow, look at these people living out their dreams. Let's not take this thing and politicize it to the maximum, right? I mean, it's like every little thing is comes down to economics. I like, you know, we're bombarded with economics and the market and this and war and, you know, death and killing and blah and plights and and and, and you know, Brexit's like just let the sport, like let the let the Olympics be the Olympics. Like leave like just let it let it happen. Exactly. Don't the, manipulate it. The, the controlled narrative is what I'm talking about. Exactly. So, like, you know, all these countries, that American culturally contextualized perspective where, like, oh, you know, we need to highlight all the downsides of every country as they come out. When the U.S. comes out, Bob Costas doesn't go, it's been a rough year for the Americas. You know, they're still still stuck in this Middle East quagmire and they've got the Trump presidency run and the Black Lives Matter movement. Real tough year for the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> they don't say that shit. No. You know? Right. It's like, oh, this is Good. the pinnacle for America. Look at Michael Phelps bearing the flag and the American athletes beaming with pride. Right. Being such a great We've country. had such a hard year with San Bernardino. and Exactly. It's just like, know. you don't have to do that. So... That was really cheap, and also they added commercials. Like, this is like one hour of television where, like, you're not supposed to give us commercials. It's a ceremony. It's uninterrupted. There are no breaks. This isn't like the NBA playoffs or the Super Bowl. There's a timeout. Yeah. We can go to commercials. Not, nothing's happening. If There's I can, always something if happening. If I can watch a soccer game for 45 minutes without a commercial break, they can do that shit for the Olympics. Not unless they're NBC. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like you know, they do it in everything, though, man. You watch, you watch, some, you watch a a, a a F1 race on Sky Sports, 
and it's a whole different experience than when it's on NBC Sports. You're like, oh no, I just I'll just wait and find some grainy stream somewhere and watch the F1 on Sky because you know there it's it's just it's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, you know those opening ceremonies. It was like you had the best, at, you had the good and the bad because it was a great spectacle. NBC, you can sponsor us and we'll change our tune. You can put a commercial. That's how I roll. Hey, there, there'd be a commercial break right after this for NBC sponsors, okay? <laughs> for the, the newest, late, amazing Thursday night comedy coming soon. Oh, yeah. This laugh track from NBC. All right, on to bigger and better things. Uh, the next quick little story, uh, and this one's also interestingly tied into the opening ceremony. I'll, I'll put this in the bad. It's not the ugly, but it's just, it's weird. So, during the middle of the opening ceremonies, we get thrown on us that. Apparently, Brazil was the first country to fly, and not America. So what this has to do with this is a long controversy with Alberto Santos Dumont, who Brazilians have long claimed that they innovated flight, not the Wright brothers. So in the middle of this like opening ceremony, it just cuts to this like CGI scene of this like Brazilian dude in a biplane like flying over Rio. And what happened is that basically Brazilians are the, the opinions that the Wright brothers, they used a catapult, which means that they used a propelling system to launch their aircraft. It didn't start on its own power. And that was one of the qualifications they said was necessary to be an authenticated flight or whatever. But aviation efforts have long disagreed with this. But it was just so weird to have this like, this is open to debate. And like right in the middle of the ceremony, it's like, hey, we invented this. Just so you know, it was so weird, wasn't it? Honestly, I didn't see it. No, you didn't. So I cannot say that it was weird, but based on the context that you just described, I would say, yes, it is weird. So was it a Brazilian ministry type of commercial? Who, no, who it, paid for this ad? I mean, obviously NBC wouldn't it throw was, it. it wasn't they, an ad. They're not going to throw it up against the right brother. It wasn't an ad. This was part of the ceremony. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what it was like. It was like... Brazil is like almost put this little dig in there, like, hey, just so you know, like, Brazil, we invented flying. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, the Americans, they said they did, they didn't. It was us. Like, okay. That's funny. Cool. You know? So it's kind of a weird moment. Like, they literally, like, a two, three minute, like, it cut away from the ceremony to this, like, video package CGI of, like, this black and white Brazilian dude flying over the city in 1906. Uh, Super uh, weird. Super weird. So I don't know if you saw that. It's like, what's going on here? Like, why are they showing me this like dude flying a biplane in black and white? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I was traveling and I, I missed it. I was uh, I was actually camping in the Tahoe National Forest that night. So well, that that was probably more exciting. <laughs> so now I wanted to move on to a little bit of the uglier side of the games because you know there's always some stuff that's a little repellent whether it's the white elephants which we've talked about in the past or you know whatever the hot button virus of the month is you know this year it's zika in the past it's been swine flu avian bird flu you know you could go on and on with the flus so i want to talk about some of the other strange stories that would definitely go in the bad category so let's start with the one that's just like the stupidest and i can't believe it's even a story which is uh Ryan Locke and the U.S. men's swimming team apparently pissing on a bathroom wall instead of inside it, getting extorted for $100 by a security guard, and this being the dominant news story in the U.S. media for like a week. 
I, literally, this is the number one story in the news on every main news site for a week. Which is really interesting, right? Because this 15 miles south of us, this happens all the time. I mean, like, this was the week where, like, there's, there's Tijuana, folks, by the, the way. There's, like, that story with uh, the picture of, like, the kid in Syria. Yeah. Like, the post-bombing, yeah. and the kid's, like, bleeding and covered in dust. It's, like, four-year-old kid in a hospital. That was, like, seventh. After and they're this. trying they're, they're trying to make that, you know, the symbol of Syria, and, like, nobody's even listening. I mean, that's just how callous the, the United States has become to war. That's how, that's how it, it's just part of our life. And that's just absolutely appalling. If people would see, I'm just, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here for a second, but let me be, I'll bring it back. Is if people would see what Aleppo looks like and really look at what Aleppo looks like. Have you noticed that we have never seen, they don't show us images of that city or anywhere. And they're yep. bombing like freaking, you know, hospitals there and like even in Yemen. And, and so anyway, I digress, but that's in its seventh folks seventh and this stupid thing of these kids drunk pissing on a in an alleyway is number one you know and i understand it's going on in the world's biggest stage you know but at the same time and and he made up some stuff he embellished greatly about what happened you know it, it, it's a perfect example of like how the truth's always in the middle right it's like right. The, the first story you're from the u.s side is we got robbed at gunpoint they put a gun to our head the brazilian side is like they were vandalizing stuff and acting crazy, and we had to, like, you know, security guards were there because they were acting violent. It's like, okay, the truth was in the middle. They pissed on a wall, and they got shook down for 100 bucks. Right. Like, and they did get guns pointed at them, which I'm sure is scary with the language barrier, hey, hey. like they said. I mean, I'm sure that that's not a good place that you want to be in at 6 o'clock in the morning. If these weren't U.S. Olympians, would it be a story? If Ryan Locke wasn't one of them, would it be a story? No, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it would be a story. I don't think it would have stayed in the news as long as it it, it, w it was because it was him. But like, why is it a story? You know what I mean? I think that the problem is with well, it, the U.S. It, news media ultimately, which is something we've talked about before. People can only care about what you tell them to care about. You know what I mean? Like they're only really aware of what you give well, them. Yeah, like, and it's the repetition of our news cycle, yeah, if, right? If, if you keep giving people these things to care about that are meaningless, Ryan Locke's, uh, you know... Kim fucking Kardashian. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West's album, uh, who Blake Shelton's dating. Then it, that's what they care about. It, it's almost like you could not care, but you can't not ignore it. You and me know about these things because it's impossible to ignore. It's being thrown in your face so much, it literally takes up your neurons without you even having a choice in it. If they were doing the same shit with, like you said, Aleppo, every night doing like a two-minute drive-through of the city and showing you what the city looks like, looks like and talking to the residents about being bombed daily, that's something that people would have to think about and talk about on the daily, and it would become part of the culture of thinking. But guess what? That depresses people. That doesn't get you clicks. That doesn't get you advertisers. Right. You know what I mean? We're all about the absurd. You don't want it to be too feel-good, and you don't want it to be too feel-bad. You want it to be in that nice middle mix or you aren't sure how people feel. Well, this kind of has like the, it, this kind of has encompasses like everything that people want, right? So you got a star, celebrity yeah. outrage, yeah. celebrity so you outrage. Have, you, have, you, you have want. celebrity. You have a, a political international incident. You have a guy that left, and then two guys that get taken off of a plane. You've got politics. You have a, you you got have, judiciary. You have, you, have, yeah. you, have a, you have a third world country that uh, that people that are known for these type of things happening with people in power, you know, take, you know, shaking you down for money. 
um, cops in Mexico. But like, know, where should our focus be? Like, so much time, money, and energy is being spent by like the news media to push this narrative of like this is important and needs to be focused on and paid attention to. And that's the problem is the only reason they're having people pay attention to it is because people are paying attention to it. Yeah, and listen, these guys, should they have done that? Hell no. I mean, like, if they broke the, the bathroom like they say they did inside the bathroom and ripped that thing off the wall, like, that's uncalled for, too, and that's just like, you know... I think he pulled a poster off the wall. Right, right. Which... He pissed on a poster and he pulled it off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this, anyway. is the, this is the number one trending news let's story. Leave it, let's leave world. it alone and move on. The number one we, trending We have bigger story. things to worry about in the world than what Brian Lochte and his free. Yeah, you know, and before we move on, though, I just wanted to kind of talk about, like, the overreaching part of the story, which is just that, like, exactly. Like, what does this matter? Right? Yeah. The problem with the news media is it only pushes the narratives of what people pay attention to, and people only pay attention to what the narratives that pushed are. So what the media is always constantly pushing is the lowest common denominator, clickbait. You know what I mean? Like, you can't help but look at a car, car crash on the highway, even if you don't care when everybody slows down. You're like, well, since I'm forced to slow down, I'm going to look too. Right. Because well, I, that's what you were saying. You I get that, slowed down. That's what you were saying, right? You get that collateral off, off of it, even if you don't want it. Here's well, you're incentivized to, in a way, where it's like, guess what? If everybody didn't slow down to look, then you wouldn't be incentivized to slow down and look. So if the news media wasn't so concerned with making money, they wouldn't be pushing these narratives. That's the problem is that like news media wasn't originally designed to be profitable. That was always considered like a loss area in the media business. The newspapers, guess what? That's where you lost your money. You weren't supposed to make money in the news business. That was just to keep the doors open there. You had other areas of your business that funded the news business because it wasn't supposed to be profitable. Once you turned it into profitability, you get what the modern news media is, which everything is boiled down to metrics, clicks, eyeballs. That's the only thing that matters, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's how do you how do you rate your success? More viewership, right? Yeah, but if people are only paying attention to things that don't matter, and you're saying the things that matter are what they pay attention to, well, then ultimately the things that don't matter becomes the things that do matter, which is why we have celebrity culture today, right? So uh, what you're saying is that the media has social responsibility to give us better stuff to care about. We've kind of like doomed ourselves because, you know, it's like a free market, right? Like the news media, hey, they're supposed to be able to make money. It's supposed to be a money-making business. Well, especially, when capitalism. Have, especially when you have 24-hour news. I mean, you got to fill it up. But even without the 24-hour news, everything's about eyeballs if you don't have eyeballs you don't have advertising and you don't have a way to make money right unless you're willing to accept the fact that news media is not supposed to make money then now it's a business now we need to get clicks right a headline about kim kardashian is going to get way more clicks than a headline about you know a wedding bombing in iraq uh-huh that's just the nature of the game so ryan Locke, we just need to stop paying attention to it. like these stories when we see these in the news we need to not click on them. We, when they get covered, we need to ask the anchors, why are you talking about this? You know, we need to push that narrative back where it's like, we don't want your garbage. Stop feeding it to us. Unless we do that, we're kind of like Americans with fast food. We're going to keep getting fatter. We're going to keep feeding on what they're pushing us. We need to be like, nope, we're going on a diet. We need to eat clean. We don't need this bullshit anymore. Good luck. Yeah, we're we're gonna def- <laughs> we're gonna definitely die of a triple bypass. Yes, very. Soon. But I'm just saying theoretically. Choke on this yeah. cheeseburger of filth and celebrity. 
So another uh, American athlete who didn't do herself any favors, Hope Solo. She never does, though, man. Right? Yeah, like you know, that, She just... <laughs> so, like, you know, the thing was we were talking about... And she's um, awesome. As an athlete, she's awesome. They were talking about that, you know, basically she shouldn't have been in the last Olympics. There was, like, domestic violence things. Right. And she's always been very outspoken and caused a lot of issues. Like, well, she's the best goalkeeper. We need her. Won two Olympic golds. So, unfortunately, the U.S. women's team, they lost to Sweden in extra time on penalty kicks in a game that was very droll because Sweden played a very defensive shell game. Who, who, by the way, no offense, Sweden is terrible. We should not have lost to them. So, I mean, it was a Cinderella run for them anyway. They're, so, they're, so, not, so we they're lost, not a top we, table so team. So we lost to a terrible team. We did. So what that say about us? Well, everybody has a bad day. I there wouldn't say they were terrible. So on that day, we were more terrible than them. Yeah, it just happens, right? Like, they were able to pull us down to their level and make us worse than them. Which happens in football very much. I that, mean, that's, it's, a, it's, that's, it's, that's a game. Parking the bus is a game. It is, yeah. You know, if you can do it effectively, it frustrates Dude, the other Mourinho team. freaking made his career on it. Back in the day at Chelsea. Oh, right? my God. Do you remember that? Do yeah. you remember that freaking Champions League final with Barca? When they finally broke through with Iniesta. Oh. That was the craziest game of parking the bus like, Essien scored one of the most amazing goals I've ever seen. And then for 80 minutes, there are just, like, 11 dudes in the box. Uh-huh. It was crazy. Yep. The, yep. Pre- the pressure building in that game was insane. It was. It was like this freaking pressure cooker just about to pop. So, yeah. So, so Sweden played a very negative game, which in football is usually discouraged. It's supposed to be open-flowing football. But, you know, that's you can play however you want. You That's the nice thing about the game is, like, guess what? You have 11 players. You know what the goal is. Put the ball in the net. However you want to go about it, it's up to you. You're, it's you, a strategy. You can devise whatever right. method you want. We might think it's lame or boring, but if it works, it works. It's a fact. So the U.S. lost, and what does Hope Solo say? She has the balls to say, we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. I strongly believe that. Which is true. But it. But so what? Which is true. I mean, she just needed to not say the first part about we played a bunch of cowards. She should have just said the best team didn't win, and that's an absolutely fine thing to believe and talk about how negative they play. But to call them cowards, it's just that sour grapes of a sore loser. When somebody's lost, instead of talking about, you know, what you could have done better and, you know, what went wrong with you that day, Uh you turn the focus to the other team and what they did wrong. Diminish their victory. But they beat you. Right. So why are you focusing on what they did wrong? You can talk about what they did right or what you did wrong. Because you lost, uh-huh. but you're talking about what they did wrong, but they won. But they didn't do it wrong, so but, it wasn't wrong. But I'm just saying, even if they did do it wrong, they still won. But it wasn't wrong then, right? So why are you talking about what they did wrong if it worked? Right. Well, in this instance, you could point to what she was saying that they didn't attack, which in this instance wasn't wrong. Because why are you gonna why are you gonna be susceptible to United States firepower? Right. We know that you know they're the best team. They just won the World Cup. I mean, you can talk with perfect logic. It's just like, at the end of the day, right after you lose, you don't talk smack. It, you, that's not the time. Right. Listen, I mean, now's the time to just be quiet, give the other person their moment. Even if they cheated, it's like, hey, now's not the time. A couple months from now, they ask me about it, I can, I can talk about it. Yeah, and then you can call them cowards. And you know what? Probably nobody would even give a shit. But when you, when you try to cast the spotlight... Not when you're on the sidelines. Right when you lost... It's just sour grapes. It leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And then to like try to frame it in the way of like it's cowards. Like, well, what if that was the only way to beat you? Then it's pretty smart. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, there's like a reason. There's a reason when teams play Barcelona, they don't play a high pressing, high line at the back, trying to think that they're going to win six to zero. Right. You know, like they can do that and then lose ten nothing. Right. But you got to analyze the situation. Like you said, it was a Cinderella run. So, Hope Solo, Ryan Locke, U.S. athletes behaving badly. Guys, shut up. You guys are multi-millionaire, multiple-time Olympians. How you don't have PR consultants working for you is crazy to me. You guys literally should never be able to talk to the media without literally having your... You shouldn't have a Twitter account. Your PR consultant should have a Twitter account. You want to tweet? You talk to him. And then he has to classify whether it can go out or not. Because you people are too stupid to own a phone. It's your filter. You're too stupid to have social media accounts. Really. Like, these people should not be allowed to talk to the press. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. (laughs) Awesome. Any other... uh, Stories you wanted to talk about from the Olympics, Matt? Yeah, man. I wanted to talk about Gabby Douglas uh, real quick. Yep. Um, you know, it, it it's unfortunate that somebody who does so well rep- and you're representing your nation in two Olympics um, gets some of the, the vile, like, you know, attacks from, you know, United States social media, you know, for things – just like not putting your hand on your heart, national anthem, right? I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I don't understand. She's up there taking in a moment. You have no idea what's going in her head. She could be thinking, you know, the United States and, and just relishing in her patriotism, standing up there. And it's her moment. You can do whatever you want. Free, I mean, hell, Michael Phelps was cracking up laughing when his friends in the stands were going, oh, like, you know, for the Orioles thing. And he's fallen over on the stage. And nobody, nobody said anything about that. And he's dying laughing. And I'm not saying that he was disrespecting it either. It's his moment. He can do whatever he wants. He just won. You won the Olympics. It's not about that at that moment. You know, it's like the subtext of people trying to think that they're in the right to analyze patriotism because you're supposed to technically have your hand over your heart during the national anthem. That's what they say, but it's kind of one of those gray areas where like people haven't done it. So traditionally, it's not considered disrespectful. You know, it's like if you're standing, you're, you're standing for it. But I mean, ultimately, is that real patriotism? You know what I mean? Like, we boil things down to this, like, dumb common denominator. Like, patriotism's having a, a, lapel, a, a lapel pin. A lapel pin. Or, you know, standing for the national anthem. Or when you meet somebody in the military saying, I honor your service. You're basically doing window dressing to patriotism. I think patriotism's living in a way that truly honors those values. Now, that's not to say you should go actively disrespect it. Like, the anthem's playing and you're like, well, I'm going to, like, dance a jig to show that this doesn't matter. Right. It just means that, like... You shouldn't try to define patriotism to somebody. So if one person chooses whether or not to put their hand on their heart, let's not try to psychoanalyze what they're thinking in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's just like really this latent subtext for people's basically terrible racist underlings to come out. Because like you said, they're not saying that about Phelps. They're not saying that about other white Olympic athletes who are doing it. They usually say it about the African-American athlete who's doing it. Right, and they don't, they, don't, they don't like the look on her face. They don't like her hair. They don't yeah, like this. You don't pout. Like I mean, 
what if you didn't want to get third? I mean, you can be happy, but you don't have to stand up there gloating and, and beaming at the ears. I mean, you're a competitor, right? You go out to win. I'm not saying that this was going on in her head, but you don't know what's going on in her head. And for an athlete that's worked so hard to go up there and get third and wants to be a little bit solemn on the and reflect as to what maybe criticize, which happens to athletes, what they did wrong to, 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 to get third and not first, it happens. And sometimes it's right then. But I'm an overweight and undereducated American who's never accomplished anything in my life. I have an opinion in a Twitter account. Why shouldn't I be able to broadcast that to the world? Exactly. And that's what I think about it. Until you have walked and, and competed in an international competition, you can't say a damn thing about what she's doing on the on the, uh, on the the podium, aside from burning the flag or desecrating it in some other manner. I mean, let her stand there, get what she needs to get out of the moment, and that's it. I think people just need to understand that things they think don't need to be said. So like in that moment, you might see her and be like, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe I think she's being disrespectful. That's your right to think that. That doesn't mean it's an opinion that needs to be shared with the world. It doesn't need to be broadcast. You know what I mean? Like that's totally your right to think that. You're not a psychologist. Or instead of thinking. You are going off of something. You know, instead of just thinking it, you know, maybe think of, you know what? I I wonder what's going on in her head. Right, I mean that's that's all it takes is that other that secondary question of, yeah, you know, it, or, or or how about that just that respect to let somebody have a moment of of whatever it is like it, it just doesn't like again it just doesn't make sense to me it's absolutely absurd it's uncalled for and you want to talk about unpatriotic that's unpatriotic is attacking somebody who just worked their ass off for two straight Olympics and got medals for your country yeah. You know, they're trying to like bring greater like glory to your host nation and you're like throwing it in their face because you don't like the look on their face when they didn't medal as high as they wanted. Exactly. It's insane. So yeah, you know, always social media though, Matt, remember it's a percentage of a percentage. You've got like the worst of the worst who have the most time. You know what I mean? It's like political rallies. Everybody, not everybody, but over 50% of people vote. How many people do you think attend political rallies? It's like less than 5% of people. So usually those are the most crazy, ardent people. They're the fanatics, right? The people that actually go. So that's when you get the people yelling crazy stuff and wearing signs. It's the same with Twitter. Like, we're all watching the Olympics. There's billions of people watching. Maybe there's millions of people commenting. Who are the people who, like, have the time to psychoanalyze Gabby Douglas's facial expressions and talk shit on Twitter? Right. We're talking about the dregs of the internet. Like the, the thing is, these people shouldn't be given credence when they talk about it. That's fine. They're talking. The news media shouldn't report on it. And we talked about this in our very, very first podcast, Twitter and the mob, right? Yep. And once these minds get together, that's that. That's what the problem is, right? It's that. It's that all of these people start to chime in and tweet like little birds, well, one after one. another, and they and it gets worse and worse, and it's like fuels this like little fire, you know. But here's the thing, Gabby Douglas, like her mom said, and, and and that she was pretty much devastated by it. It really like psychologically like hurt her that people were so nasty to her, you know. Because after she won a gold medal with the uh, with the what were those guys, the Fabulous Five, mm-hmm. there something like that, right? What was it? I forget. One's the final five, one's the other five. Anyway, they're all awesome uh, gold medalists. So. You know, it's it's a shame that an athlete representing their country and working so hard and having taking the pride to do so because once you pull on that uniform, I'm sure it's a it's a it's a it's a different experience than anything else. You no matter who you represented before, when you're representing your whole country, and uh, 
you know, for an athlete that's worked so hard to feel that way about something that she did while standing on a podium, winning a medal for that country is just absolutely ridiculous. And we can almost go back because this is like, again, like the Ryan Locke thing, like, why is this a story? Why do we care so much? Like, why are people paying attention to this? The, the focus everyone has in this country is just on the most asinine things possible. You know, like Sam Harris likes to say, you've only got like a dollar worth of attention every day. You need to choose how to spend it wisely. We spend so much of that dollar on the most asinine shit possible. We need to invest our attention more wisely, you know? Yeah. So, as usual, the Olympics showcases some of the best and the worst of the world, but it's always an exciting time. It's always a spectacle. We always can't help but watch. I'm, I'm a little worried though, Matt. I'm glad it's coming to an end. I need a break. I need a break. <laughs> it is kind of like that. You really do jump into this like whole world of sport, which is like you're bombarded with badminton and um, table tennis. Don't dare you call it ping pong. Yeah. Um, women's field hockey. and um, Field hockey weight, and handball. Weightlifting and, and taekwondo and motorcycle high jump and... You know, field relay. And Some hurdles. of that stuff is gnarly, though. No, man. it's like it's, I saw those guys doing the. When the, was the last time you watched any of this? The last Olympics. The last Olympics. <laughs> but here's the thing, like you know, we were talking about it before the show. I really enjoyed. I watched archery. Um, so, I, I like. I like watching the crew, the rowing. I love that. I think it's awesome. Those guys are amazing athletes, dude. Big engines in those guys. Um, the track cycling was really good this year. Uh, and um, and you know what else I watched the the the, the kayak. Those guys, oh, they're all insane. Core strength. They're, they're, all, they're all insane athletes. It's just funny because it's like you care about the sport for the time being because the spectacle and the stage makes the drama so high. Like normally, you wouldn't care at all about rowing, but now it's the best rowers in the world rowing for an Olympic gold medal in Rio. It's like wow, these are the stakes. The stage is set. But you know why it's you know why it's so awesome. That's why it's because you know yeah, right. It's every four years. Well, that's what I mean. And but you the, know, sta- the stage is set. The best people, the best at, at the pinnacle for this one moment right. in time. The pressure's on. Yeah. This is why you care. Yeah. The you best, know what I mean? The best of the best, and that's what I love watching about. It. I love watching the finals. Of almost any. I could watch the finals of almost anything because you know the that you're watching yeah. the best people that uh-huh. have freaking trained the freaking very best for this and that's what it is that you know hey. that you are getting the quality that is just there's nothing matched it there nothing matches it on i mean that. i'm like that about baseball i normally don't like baseball that much but when it gets to the playoffs and then the world series something about the stakes and everything being so high tension it, it creates this level of drama that you can't replicate and the olympics have that in spades it really does like the most banal sports that you could care the least about, like wi- like women's field hockey. All of a sudden, you're watching, you're like, damn, this is pretty like exciting. This is right. Like, I'm not watching women's field hockey, getting like <laughs> excited. I'm on the edge of my seat here for a moment. I don't think I've watched women's field hockey since like high, high school, school right? <laughs> because I didn't have a choice. You know, <laughs> exactly. So exactly. you know, uh, I, I, I'm I'm tired, but I I will I'll have some let's say rose colored nostalgia for the Olympics, like. I'm glad it's over, but I will look back slightly fondly on this. You know, uh, there was Zika, there was the green pools, there was the toilets running shit down the walls. And Zika, and Zika, just to mention, is another one of those 
let's pay attention to, to something, right? Yeah. And, and not to say, listen, because like I think in, in, in an instance of this, you need to get that message out so that it does stop it because you don't know how much it's going to spread, right? So I do understand the CDC's message, making sure you get these things out there if it's the swine flu, if it's Zika, if it's the avian flu, yada, yada, yada. And I, and I understand that. Um, but I think that Brazil was truly hurt by a, 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 an overblown media coverage of how bad Zika was there, uh, you know, because I, I think that they said that the um, the report was going to be 15 cases during the Olympic period in a city of 6.5 million, um, and they dropped 90% recently, uh, the Zika cases in, in Brazil, because it's, it's winter. <laughs> so we'll have another four years until we return for 2020 Tokyo. Tokyo, that'll be awesome. That shouldn't put a freaking drain on that over already overpopulated city's mass transit system at all. Holy crap. As long as they can build seven new billion dollar stadiums by twenty twenty. My goodness. You know, they were they were talking about doing a joint Olympics, LA and uh and um and San Diego or San Diego and Tijuana, right? That was something San Diego and Tijuana. That was gonna be an idea, like an international cross uh cross the border type of uh thing. Um, well, that's an idea. And I'll tell you one thing. I cross that border very often, and uh, I've been down to the border, as the Republicans would say. And uh, I don't know how that would ever work trying to get people across that damn border. San Ysidro is the number one highest uh, traffic border crossing, and um, it's a nightmare, folks. I've been in that borderline for three hours. So uh, that would be – it's not happening anyway. But, it's an idea. Yeah, it's an idea roll, right? Yeah, well, everything's an idea, right? Idea doesn't mean it's a good one. Anyway, the Olympics, the glory, the nastiness, the politics, the spectacle. Yeah, you're 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 over it too. I can tell. It's like, man, <laughs> this, is, this is the third week. We're wrapping it up. It was fun talking about it, Matt. It's it was, and it's been an awesome Olympics. Good on the Americans. We won over a hundred gold, a uh, hundred medals total. Again. Yeah, you know, good on everybody except Russia. You cheating bastards. You cheating bastards. And I, I, I actually like. I, I love Russian athletes. To be honest, there's something about like stone cold Russians, like their demeanor. I just love it. I don't know what it is. Like it's because Russia is a tough place to go. I, I, I was born in post Cold War America, so like I've always kind of had this like. Uh, almost adulation for like that hard Russian mindset of athletes. So it's easy to make fun of them for this and that, for the doping stuff. Cause like, you don't know though if the guys who got caught four years it's ago. It's really funny cause it makes shit, Rocky right? four like valid. I must break him. You know, they're juicing him while he's like, while he's running on the treadmill, you know? <laughs> but yeah, cheers to all the athletes. Uh, you know, cheers to the fans for coming out and supporting their countries in spades. Uh, you know, for the most part, it was a great spectacle. There's been their ups and downs, but you know the Olympic spirit is live and well, and we're gonna, you know, get uh, get another Olympics in four years. We'll see what we have in And the stadiums didn't fall down like people were worried about. You know, Brazil got it done. You know, good job hey, Rio to get those things. I'm, done. I'm glad they got to reuse some of those stadiums from the World Cup. You know, they get three uses now instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> for, before they become prisons or bird sanctuaries. Yes, exactly. No doubt. Well, it has been another awesome awesome time spending it with the material devolution podcast it always is it has been too long we have been working on our domiciles lately <laughs> and uh you know it, it's devin's green thumb has come out and uh he's uh, he's making it happen over there he's got uh, some fresh strawberries tomatoes onions oh, cilantro we got it all baby. pretty much anything you guys want so come on over make a salad in devin's backyard <laughs>
hey, hey, I'll, I'll let you know when it's right, buddy. You know, you don't just show up at the front door and expect a vegetable basket. Whatever, but, when you're missing half a head of lettuce, you know who took it. Hey, that's that's in the winter, bro. That's when you get your green. <laughs> right now we got those those summer vegetables. Gotcha. But yeah, no, it's always fun to do this, Matt. Uh, I'm glad we, we got back in the mix. The houses are coming together. Let's try to do it again soon. Thanks for joining us as always, ladies and gentlemen. Peace and love as usual. Peace and love.